Hello and welcome to Science Unscripted. It's Connor here. And Gabe. A couple emails to start off with, and we're going to start with the craziest. This is from Frank. And Frank, his, it was two emails. No, no sign-off, no anything. Um, first email, import cattle from warmer, hot climates? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is what Frank wrote. Um, oh, no, no, there's more. It said, low on unique ideas, question mark? Jeez. It was in response to we, 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 we broadcast a repeat of, a, of an interview that we did a couple of months back with an animal researcher out of Florida, University of Florida. It was about the mutation of cows, dairy cattle to give them this slick gene that mm-hmm. would give them hair that will allow them to deal with higher temperatures. They will survive. Better. They will survive heat waves better. Yeah. Frank's cows. idea is to import cows from well, he, wait, import I, them. No, yeah, he he just thinks it's a lame idea. Doesn't explain why. And then his second email was, "Your program portrays the idiotic perspective of, and now all caps, the world." Is that the world, as in the planet, or the bro- the I'd, show, the world? It, it's it's an email that Frank, if you're listening, send us another one and explain what the heck you mean, please. But yeah, we we did that repeat last week because I had Corona. Um, yeah, how are you doing? Third infection. Still kind, still kind of tired. Yeah, um, but we're back. Mm-hmm. And Gabe, you have an email, a, be- a better email. Yeah, this is this was from Dave. I have been listening for a couple of years now, and after fact-checking you about a dozen times randomly, I settled in and comfortably enjoy the information, and especially like the breakdown on studies you present for sample sizes, etc. On your program outlining why people were still denying human-caused climate change, I was taken with the money experiment included in the justification. And this was whether people, what they would do with $20... And the the crux of that was that they weren't motivated or they didn't their opinions on whether or not climate change was caused by humans wasn't motivated by the twenty dollars, essentially. Right. Right. Which to extrapolate, if somebody's driving a gigantic SUV, that's not why they don't believe in climate change. Yeah, they're not just assuaging their it, their, yeah, their their it, guilty conscience. Dave essentially agreed because we were kind of stupefied by that. Yeah. Our, our our minds were boggled. Yeah. As they say, his was too. And then he writes, being wrong about that little thing reminded me how much I like having my assumptions challenged. It really is pretty great having to rethink what I know about the motivations of others. And nothing is that simplistic. I'll keep listening. Great. Thanks, Dave. No, yeah, really nice email. And I I agree. From I, Calgary, Alberta, by the way. I love being proven wrong or having my expectations upended. And that's about to happen again in connection with an email from Isaac who wrote us, he's writing us again. We, we talked about his email before, and we kind of, we, we were trying to figure out how to pronounce his name. You said Isaac, I said Isaac. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote us again, and um, amongst other things, my favorite line, a longer email, he wrote that uh, I'm studying for a BS in space studies with an emphasis on aerospace science. If it wasn't for your show every week, I might not have even considered this degree program. That's awesome. Wow. That's amazing. I don't. I don't know how else to phrase it. How, how to better phrase it? But what he did is um, he linked us to a study that he found interesting. So then I read read the whole study, and it did upend an expectation of mine. Basically, the study is done in Latvia, and the question is: um, if you were to try to look back and figure out when humans were alive and what they did during those times, how would you do it? We've talked about that on this on the show before. 
with regard to the Black Plague. How do you figure out where people died and how many of them died when there are no written records and where graveyards aren't necessarily there? How would you know Mm. that they got killed? There it had to do with pollen because we humans, we farm things and certain pollens are emitted. And you can go back and look through the stratified layers of dirt and figure out when that pollen vanished and hence the people who were planting, eating. Were, who were well, yeah. who were planting those crops, or weren't farming the yeah. A very interesting way to think about how to look backwards and figure out when humans were doing what. This Latvian study is about is using microplastics. So if you go into the bottom of lakes, and in this case, three Latvian lakes, in that sediment, starting in about the 1950s, was when they did this. You can see microplastics building up, mm. and of course, not very many at the beginning, and then in the last two decades, boom. Right? We are producing unbelievable amounts of plastic. You can see that in the, in the lake sediment. And so the idea would be, could we look at the stratified layers of sediment in these lakes and figure out exactly when human beings were making these plastics? And that is operating under the assumption that the microplastics will be around when these people or, or when these beings are trying to assess when we lived? Sure, sure. The half-life yeah, I, of plastics are, is, e- is, is long enough? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they would survive that. That plastic you, is there forever. Probably. In a way. Yeah. Um, until it goes, you know, gets melted as it gets deeper and deeper in the earth. Yeah. Speaking of half-life, one of the ways they can figure out how old the sediment is, is with a half-life of a, a lead isotope, lead 210. Mm. So they know how old the sediment is. And they went into this thinking, well, we, then we can figure out, you know, we can track when and where the microplastics started happening. It didn't work. So oddly, as microplastics have different forms and shapes, the ones that are small, like a little ball, ended up somehow getting down deeper than they should have, all the way down to like 1813. Screwing the whole order up. In one of the lakes. And the conclusion of the whole study was, hmm, this doesn't really work. Now, if you're 50 million years in the future, you're not going to be looking for, you know, this year or that year. It's going pro- to give you a basic measure of when humans were doing what, if you mm-hmm. can find those. But for very specific measurements in the sediment, in lakes, of what we were doing and when, it's more complex than you would think. That's the, whole, the conclusion of the study. Wow. Thank you, Isaac, for, for your email and for that study. I got one here about um, anthropomorphism. The idea that we take an object and make it, we, we, give it, we, we give it human attributes. Let me go to Merriam-Webster for this. The attribution, oh, you were almost right on it. Was I? Yeah. The attribution of human form or characteristics to a non-human being. Okay. So the classic, anyone who's seen the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks, he has this volleyball, Wilson. 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 Wilson! Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is anthropomorphism at its most extreme. We're going to be looking at the anthropomorphism of products today. And, and what, if a product has human characteristics, whether, whether we would maybe want to buy it more or pay more for it. This study was done in Indiana, this is the University of Indiana. They had 50 students there. So there's your caveat right there, very small sample size. And those 50 students were looking at a laptop a TV, and a camera, Mm -hmm. either with human characteristics, so a laptop given eyes and a nose. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. A nose on a laptop? Where? At the the top? Okay, they were given human physical characteristics, quote, eyes, a mouth, and a nose, and human-like movements, such as blinking and mouth movement while talking. If the computer did those things, had these human-like characteristics. Or Or the TV. 
or the... Hold on, I'll get to those later. Let's stick with the computer for now, because this is important, the difference between the computer mm-hmm. and those two other things. The students were willing to pay 20% more for it in an eBay-like setting. Okay. So they bid on this laptop. <laughs> they... they wanted to spend $1,680 <laughs> instead of 1400 oh, no. because it had a nose oh, no. and because it was talking. There <laughs> are electronics manufacturers around the world reading this study, and it's going to have horrific results in the next five years. Everything's going to have a nose. With, with the camera and with the TV, that did not happen. Oh, Okay. Right? Just the laptop. Paid the same. So only the laptop. And they all the, the participants also had their brains analyzed while this was happening. They had an EEG going on. And in the parietal lobe, there was way more activity. That is the part of the brain that is active in understanding our environment, sense perception, but also our ability to understand where we are and thus help us make decisions. So this has, in effect, when you are thinking about buying a product that is complex or is already, maybe already has some kind of human uh, functions, a computer kind of well, talks you, to you. you and, interact with it a lot. Yeah, and it, and it does very complex things for you. So in that case, the computer, this worked. If you anthropomorphize a computer, people are willing to spend way more on it. Okay, it's It doesn't coming. work with the other products. That Com- is the computers. absolute conclusion of the study. I'll read it right here. We are more likely to anthropomorphize a product if it already has some human-like functionalities, such as the ability to respond and speak in a human voice, present some level of human knowledge, or have some autonomy in how it functions. Great. Yeah. Okay. The, the, The computers with noses and eyes and smiles are coming soon. One last study here, real quick, for those of, it's really, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it for those of you out there who feel like people have become less empathetic over the last half decade. I feel that. Yeah, a lot of people do, mm-hmm. anecdotally. That I feel myself, I've become less empathetic. I, 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 would, kind, I would kind of say the same with me. Yeah, More yeah. frustration, you're just... Yeah. Anyway, if you feel... I don't have time for other people. Yeah. There's a study done in Würzburg, Germany, in, uh, in Bavaria here. And what they did is they established pretty clearly, in my view, that empathy is infectious. It's like a... Like, contagious. I, it's contagious. In a good way. You see, you've got people around you who are being empathetic, kind, thinking about others, then you yourself will start adapting those traits, doing, doing that? Yes. Uh, so in this specific study, two videos, mm-hmm. and a hand basically gets smashed. Oh, ouch. In the video. Oh, yeah. Watching a video of a hand. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Bam, this hand gets, I mean, not, com- not graphically violent, I but empath- ouch. Yeah. So then you see a person who is either empathetic to the person whose hand has gotten smashed or not. Okay. And that changes... Um, people's empathetic reactions to the person who had their hand smashed. How do you measure the empathy? Uh, They had a survey, but that was already pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. What was more interesting is that they had them in an fMRI machine. They're scanning their brain, and they could see in the part of the brain that's responsible for empathy, Mm -hmm. higher activity. So Mm -hmm. these people were not parroting it. They were not trying to look more empathetic because they'd just seen it. Genuinely feeling the empathy. Yes. What's the lesson for everyone out there? If you demonstrate empathy and others are around you, you are changing very slightly your little pocket of the world. Those people are now more empathetic. Be empathetic and show it. Show it to the others. next time you're around others. That is, you will change them in, in possibly the most positive way possible. What a wonderful form that of mimesis. That is, that, yeah. is the, that is the essence of mimesis right there. Positive mimesis. Any... Questions, comments, personal experiences that either jibe with what we've been discussing here or not at all, please get in touch with us. And especially you, Frank. 
tell us what the heck your emails meant, man. I don't, I don't know what's going on. SU at DW.com. Science Unscripted.